Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hello, should be live, should be working, all things considered. Uh, on the website asking about the live Q&A, word is going far and wide. We've got the gram involved here, checking the connection. So uh, all's looking like it's working at my end. That's the best I can hope for when you do these things. You just hope it's working out there. So I'll get going. If you've got a question, by all means, ask away. If you haven't got a question, do not fear. I've got questions uh, of my own that have been sent in by viewers over the week. So uh, thank you to all those people who sent in questions um, in the last seven days. And I shall use this opportunity to get uh, cracking, if that's okay. So I'm going to start off with this one. Uh, this is a question that was uh, raised. Someone sent in an email saying, do we, off, do we perform umbilicoplasty at our clinic? So a lot of plastic surgery is um, people use fancy words for stuff. And uh, umbilicoplasty is one of those uh, fancy words. And uh, essentially, plasty just means um, changing the shape of. I've got to be careful moving the microphone because it often cuts out. Uh, and umbilico is uh, umbilicus, belly button. So, um, do we offer changing the shape of belly buttons at the clinic? Well, yes, we do change the shape of belly buttons. Um, umbilicoplasty is actually a thing in itself. Now, umbilicoplasty is usually the term that is given to reciting the umbilicus when we do a tummy tuck. So part of a tummy tuck is involves um, reciting the uh, umbilicus. So uh, umbilico, there's, and there's different ways of doing that, of recreating a new umbilicus or at least reciting the original umbilicus when you... Um, when you when you do a, a tummy tuck surgery, so that's if you sort of talk about it in plastic surgery literature. I've actually written a paper on uh, umbilicoplasty in that setting. Um, and usually, if someone's asking for a standalone umbilicoplasty procedure, in my head, I'm thinking they've had a tummy tuck and they don't like the shape of their belly button. It might be that they've always had a belly button that they don't like the shape of. Maybe it's an LT, you've got a little hernia or something. In this, so. The simple answer to the question is, yes, we do do umbilicoplasty. We do change the shape of belly buttons. In this uh, occasion, this patient has now sent us a photo and her belly button is horizontally orientated and she prefers it to be vertically orientated, um, which is one of the features of, a, of an aesthetically pleasing belly button. And um, the problem with this is that she's got some lax skin around the abdomen. I don't think she's allowed us to send the photo, show the photo, unfortunately. So I can't show the photo. Um, but it um, is more than the problem of the 
orientation of the belly button so we can't just change the orientation of the of the belly button it's the laxity of the skin around it and it's a difficult problem i don't think she's got enough for a, a tummy tuck which would be a um which would involve reshaping the belly button and often people don't like their belly buttons when the, people who need a tummy tuck don't like their belly buttons and that is part and parcel of it but if the main problem is the belly button um i guess the tummy tuck is obviously a bit too big of a big of a thing to suggest for someone who's saying i just want a belly button changed but um the bottom line is i haven't got anything good uh to offer to just affect that belly button uh so yes we do offer umbilicoplasty i don't know if the individual who sent in that particular query is watching but if you've just if you've but it's usually if people have had surgery i put it that way it's usually people who've had a tummy tuck who are unhappy with the shape of the umbilicus that's usually when you're changing the shape of it um it would have to be a specific issue of someone who hadn't had surgery on the umbilicus if they i mean some people don't have an umbilicus gastro gastro easy for me to say probably said it wrong but when you're born with an anterior abdominal wall defect sometimes you don't have an umbilicus so umbilicoplasty would or also uh, include creating an umbilicus where there wasn't one there or if sometimes if people have had a hernia repair in that area they sometimes actually remove the umbilicus so again that would be uh, fall under the umbrella of umbilicoplasty so um yes we do do umbilicoplasty so it's just i just feel um sorry that i wasn't able to help that particular patient who asked that question but that's explaining why if you're watching um i, I think it's more of a global problem with the, the lax skin around your abdomen um so um what we got chloe hi jj hope you're well i'm six weeks post-op now it's gone so quick crazy isn't it unbelievable i just i mean we're fat we're not fair are we no it's february tomorrow i just wondered if i'm okay to not wear the support bra 24 7 now or shall i still keep it on and to sleep with it i normally see people around six weeks so i'm i'm presuming i'm not seeing you anyway let's do it here why not you know why not uh yes is the answer to that i mean i normally see you around six weeks ca getting on have a look at your scars and 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 you know just see how you are but in general terms um six weeks is the sort of time where you can see how you go without the support bra you don't have to wear it at night um sometimes it swells sometimes it hurts so you might want to wear it at night but if you're at the stage where you're thinking you know what i'm getting a bit cheesed off with this and i want to see how i go without it by all means do go without it I normally points on the eighth. Okay, I normally um, say it's about three months for things to properly settle, so you're kind of halfway there in terms of the settling. So there still will be set a, a bit of swelling, maybe a bit of discomfort and what have you. So you might choose to wear your support bra for longer. There's absolutely no harm in wearing it for longer. Um, it's not so bad in this weather, but in hot weather, I know a lot of people want don't, don't want to wear it sort of day and night. But if it is finding, if you are finding it annoying and you'd rather not wear it at night. Uh, and particularly not even the day even sometimes then don't wear it but if you are doing anything energetic going shopping or obviously if you're doing sports and things you might want to wear it as a bit of extra support but uh, bottom line is yeah you can uh, see how you go without it is the is the short answer to that one can we remove a spacious cyst located inside the nostril wow where did this come from um I guess I'd have to see it really. I'm trying to envisage it. A sebaceous cyst inside the nostril. Um, did one a, did a, like a mole inside the nostril a little while ago, which was, um, you know, relatively, in as much as anything can be simple, I suppose. You're welcome, Chloe. Um, but that was, that was, uh, but that, but a cyst is kind of underneath the skin. So I'm kind of trying to think where it would be inside the nostril. I mean, 
that way is kind of the roof of your mouth, basically. So it's not going to be that way. If it's just under the rim here somewhere. So maybe, I'm going to say maybe to that, because um, if it's kind of inside up there, then no, we, we, we that would probably be an ENT surgeon, an ear, nose and throat surgeon who would have the tools and look inside the inside the nose and, and, and do that that way. But I kind of think, how would you know it's there if it's kind of up there? I mean, sebaceous cysts are usually just underneath the skin. So I would think it would probably be more like here. But So I'm trying to envisage it. Um, I'd have to see a picture, I think I would say, on that one. I'd have to see a picture of that to see whether we could remove it or not. Always happy to review photos. You know, if you have a question and you want to know, can we remove this? Can we do this tattoo removal? How much to have that, that lipoma removed or whatever? Send us a photo. Um, and it's a lot easier to give you an idea of what we can do, how much it's going to cost and stuff like that. The other thing about sending photos, people as a general rule tend to send photos a bit too close up. So it's hard actually to see what part of the body is. So if it is you want to show a bit of detail doing close up, fine. But it's quite helpful to do a far away one as well. Just going to say, oh, that's an arm. Because sometimes you don't know if it's an arm, if it's a leg, if it's a thigh, if it's a back, you know. Uh, and sometimes people say it's the leg. And you're thinking, is that the ankle or is that up by the groin? Where, whereabouts on the leg is that? Sorry. Um, I guess up by the groin would strictly be speaking be the thigh. But I think people still call the thigh the leg. So um, still included in the leg. Do you need to have a capsulectomy if having implants removed completely? So the um, when this is talking about breast implants, which have a capsule form around them, which is a normal part of uh, having an implant of any description, really, uh, doesn't matter if it's a breast implant or a knee implant, you know, knee replacement, hip replacement, cataracts, um, heart valve, any sort of implant, anything that gets inside uh, your body, your body will wall it off in scar tissue, and that scar tissue is called a capsule. The problem with breast implants is they've got a, they're sort of squidgy, so that that capsule contracts as it always does, and because it's squidgy, it gradually contracts around that implant and makes that implant feel harder and harder and harder and people say my implant's gone hard i need to have them changed i don't like them and we say fine strictly speaking it's not your implant that's gone hard it's the scar tissue around the body that has gradually contracted around that implant meaning me making it feel hard and it can feel like a rock um now when you remove the implant the capsule is often just scar tissue sometimes if it's been in there for a long time it can actually be um, calcified so the capsule can be quite hard but often the capsule in itself is not hard the capsule is just scar tissue uh, and when the implants out the capsule does not need to be removed so if you're going to put another implant in well then yes because you don't want that scar tissue around the next implant so then yes you do need uh, a capsulectomy well you have a discussion whether you have a, a capsulectomy um, but you usually need to have something done to the capsule if you're going to have your implants replaced. So that could be a capsulectomy, which is removing the, the capsule. It could be a selective capsulectomy. So like perhaps an anterior capsulectomy, particularly if the implants are underneath the muscle. People often worry about doing a posterior capsulectomy because it's uh, right there sort of on the ribs. And there's a risk of creating a pneumothorax or going into the lung. Uh, cavity and things when you do a posterior capsulectomy of a submuscular implant um, so um, or a capsulotomy which is actually scoring the capsule so it's a 
not removing capsule, just scoring it to let the new implant in. Anyway, either way, if you're removing the capsule and if, sorry, if you're replacing the implants, yes, you often need to do something with the capsule. If you're not replacing the implants, so if you're just taking the implants out, you do not need to have a capsulectomy. You can leave the capsule. Now you might say it's all hard. It won't be all hard when the implant's out. It's hard because it's contracting around the implant. When the implant's out, it's like, it's sort of like empty bag. So it won't be hard. Now, obviously if there's calcified bits, if there's rock hard bits, we can remove those, but that's only for very old capsules. Um, most capsules are, are fine just to leave behind. Now, sometimes people want the capsule to be removed because they're worried about things like ALCL, which is a cancer of the capsule, and uh, breast implant illness, which people associate with uh, the capsule and want a total capsulectomy, which is fine. So if you kind of request a total capsulectomy, that's a bit different. So you don't need a capsulectomy, but if you want one because you believe you're worried about ALCL or you're worried about um, breast implant illness, then a total capsulectomy can be performed, but it is a bit of an extra level of complexity if, if we have to do a total capsulectomy. So removing an implant is a relatively simple procedure. A total capsulectomy means you have to actually cut out that capsule. It um, inevitably takes out some volume. The capsule will have some volume. Inevitably, some of the scar tissue, uh, some of the breast tissue is removed when you do that. So there is a risk that um, some of the um, breast tissue were removed, so you'll remove some volume uh, and it bleeds. So there's an increased risk of hematoma and um, therefore you often need a drain. Therefore that will keep you in hospital overnight. And um, so it is a bigger deal having a total capsulectomy, but by all means, if you're worried about, as I say, ALCL or, or uh, breast implant illness, or if you, whatever you've read somewhere, or you've decided you want to have the capsule removed because you don't want any trace of the uh, implant, then that's absolutely fine. But it is uh, a slightly more difficult, more convoluted procedure to have done, uh, but it's certainly doable. But if you ask the question, does it have to be removed? Usually the answer is no. Um, it does not have to be removed. But um, as is the case with much of uh, cosmetic surgery, a lot of it is patient's choice uh, and what they uh, desire. And it's weighing up the risks versus the benefits of doing that. So Ton de beat, Tion de beat. Can you do a tattoo excision on the neck? Yes, you can. So the main thing about tattoo excision is, um, I always say it's the size of the tattoo, or at least specifically the size of the tattoo in the shortest dimension. So kind of like a round tattoo is bad, but if you've got a really big tattoo, but if it's quite long and thin, that's good because the shortest dimension is quite short because that means we can close it. I mean, a long scar, but the shortest dimension is important. So the shortest dimension is important and also the location of the tattoo. So actually the neck has got to be of elasticity. Now, of course, you have to move the neck. That's why it's got to be. But it's not a bad place to have a tattoo, uh, to have an excision of a tattoo because it has got elasticity. Clearly, you'd have to have the size of it. If it's a really big one, we wouldn't be able to excise it. But if it's kind of linear thing or something, uh, then that would. Uh, lips on my neck. Yeah, lips are kind of often quite almost round. Um, so we'd have to see usually is uh, uh, possible, but it might need what's called a serial excision. So sometimes if we can't get it all out in one go, we get a bulk of it out and leave a bit of the tattoo. So you have a scar, a bit of the tattoo on either side, you leave it six weeks, and then we you come back and you have it done, the last bit done again, it's called a serial excision for bigger ones. Send us a photo if you haven't already, I'm trying to think of, I've 
seen a photo. But anyway, send us a photo if, if we have a look at it and we can give you an idea. But in principle, for sure. Um, now, the only thing, if you're having it excised, it would leave you a scar. So that is something to consider whether the scar is going to be preferable to the tattoo. But that's always the case for um, tattoo excision. You have to weigh up the risks of the, well, not the risk, it is going to leave a scar. The downside of leaving a scar versus the upside of getting rid of the tattoo. I always say with tattoos to um, try laser first, but I'm assuming, well, it might be red if it's lips, it might be coloured and the ink, uh, the laser struggles with coloured ink. So if it is red, I think laser will struggle with that. But uh, if it's not red, it might be worth having a, a talk to a laser person. We don't do laser, we only do excision. But, uh, yep. uh, how long do you need to stay in hospital if having a capsulectomy with implant removal? And a breast uplift. Well, I just said a minute ago, capsulect. If you're having implant removal, you don't need a capsulectomy anyway. Um, so, implant removal and an uplift. Common operation because obviously, if you're having your implants removed, you're going to lose volume, you're going to lose shape. So often, you would combine that with a breast uplift to bring the shape back. It wouldn't bring the volume back, but it would bring the shape back, make them less droopy. Um, as I say, the big thing here is a capsulectomy. Because if you're not having a capsulectomy, if you're just having an implant removal and a breast uplift, well, that can be done as a day case, no drains needed. Um, that's quite, a, that's quite a, a reasonable day case procedure. The capsulectomy is the issue because the capsulectomy, as I say, creates a scar, a, 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 a um, sort of raw surface, and that can therefore can then bleed. So there's an increased risk of bleeding, increased risk of a hematoma with a capsulectomy. So we will often use a drain there's not many operations nowadays where people use drains and certainly i'm using a lot less drains a lot fewer drains than i used to but uh capsulectomy is one of those ones where i still do use a drain and um if you have a drain then that will probably keep you in hospital overnight sometimes if we're doing it in the morning we can have a look at the drain in the evening if it's not got much in we can remove the drain and let you go home a lot of the surgery slash all of the surgery at the moment has been doing I've done in Liverpool so you probably won't want that hanging over you whether you go home or not and go home late in the evening and stuff like that or get you late, go home late in the evening but sort of later on in the day um, so it's probably if we're talking capsulectomy I'm going to say that's an overnight stay um, because of the drain but as I say if you're not having a capsulectomy if you're having implant removal and not replacement you don't need a capsulectomy so you're not having a capsulectomy that could be done as a day case but if you do want that capsule removed um, I would say that would push it into an overnight stay. Um, how long after stopping breastfeeding can you have implants? Um, so how long after stopping breastfeeding? So it's kind of like also how long after having a child as well. So I guess that question depends on how long you're breastfeeding. Because I normally say you want to, ideally you want to wait till the child's one. So, you know, if you stop breastfeeding at six, so, you know, if the child, because the child's a little bit more mobile, your breasts have had a chance to recover, your body's had a chance to recover, because your, your, your body's a little bit hypercoagulable when you first have a child, increased risk of um, clotting. So you want that to settle um, and you want to obviously deal with having a newborn baby. So I think your child being one, one year old is ideal. People do have surgery with six to 12 months, but I think it's a difficult age to manage the child when if you're just having surgery. Now, specifically asking about the breastfeeding question, um, 
the problem well the thing about breastfeeding is your breasts will get bigger when you're having uh, when you're breastfeeding and then when you stop breastfeeding they will um, get smaller as the as the um, uh, milk subsides uh, and so you really want to know where you're going to be before you start looking at having uh, breast implants because you don't want to put breast implants into a breast that is still changing in size and shape um, because the size and shape of the implant might change if your breast um, uh, changes shape on an ongoing basis. So I would say you want to kind of wait probably around six months after breastfeeding um, to let those the tissues to let the breast settles. Whenever people ask questions like this, we always kind of give answers like six months and things. A lot of it I would say to people is listen to your body, see how you feel, and you will know yourself how things are changing. So if things are continuing to change at six months, we might say, well, do you want to leave it a bit longer? You know, leave it a few more months, just let everything settle down. Or if you think, you know, the last three months, nothing's happened, you might say, okay, well, so I would say six months is a good ballpark to to give your breasts a chance to, to settle, to let the size and the shape settle so we can get an idea of where we're going to be so then we can know how to plan for the size and shape of implant that we're going to use i want breast implants or fat grafting to my breasts <clears throat> i am worried about having implants in case they need changing after 10 years but i would like to only have surgery once is fat grafting better what would be your advice um yeah so in that regard yes fat grafting is better because the worry with implants is they might need to be changed. Now, they don't, strictly speaking, have to be changed every 10 years, um, but they may well need to be changed at some point. Uh, probably the most common uh, reason for changing them is um, capsular contracture, the hardening of the implant, which happens around five or 10 years. So that is definitely something to consider if you're having implants, you may well need to have them changed. And so in that regard, Fat grafting is a better option because fat grafting is a permanent solution. Once it's taken, it's taken. That's it. That's you. There's no problem with uh, have you know having it changed or whatever. So uh, as you grow, as you get bigger, if you put on weight, you get bigger. If you lose weight, you get smaller. So in many regards, fat grafting is a, a superior alternative to breast implants. However, if you look at how many cases of fat grafting that uh, certainly we do compared to breast implants hardly ever do fat grafting to be quite honest with you slash well, i won't say never but it ne basically never i mean i did the last fat grafting for for a cosmetic breast augmentation is i don't think i had the clinic more than 10 years ago um used to do a lot of fat grafting for breast reconstruction different kettle of fish but fat grafting for breast augmentation in my hands is a very rare procedure. Why you say you just said that it's really good because it doesn't have to be changed. It's natural and it goes with your body and all that. True. The problem with it is it's subtle. The volumes are small. We, I don't think we've quite got it yet for the high, big volume fat grafting. So um, we're talking, I mean, as a basically people who want breast implants are often quite slim. So don't have many donor sites. That's another problem. So the slimmer the person, the less donor sites they have to harvest the fat from. But, you know, 80 cc's, 100 cc's. If you did 120, that would be a big one. So I'd say 80, 100 cc's is kind of, you know, would be a big fat grafting for me. Um, but an 80, 100 cc implant is really quite small. So for that reason, you often need to have it changed. Uh, 
just repeated. Not because anything happens to the fat, but just because you can't put that much fat in each time. So you often have to put more fat in. So you often have to have multiple procedures. And each procedure is almost as expensive as um, the first one, hi Lisa, um, as, as breast implants. So breast implants, you can put, you know, take a 280cc, 320cc implant off the shelf. In it goes. You know that you're, you know, it's going to be 280cc bigger. You're going to be three, you know, you can be predictive about that. You know where you are. Uh, fat graft a little bit unpredictable you never know how much fat you can get in there um also there are potential problems with fat grafting but having said that's a potential problem with implants too um in terms of fat necrosis oil cysts and things but the main issue with fat grafting is the volume is the size uh, and as i say it's quite expensive because it's quite light labor intensive it takes quite a long time you can't just suck the fat out and stick it put it in you have to process the fat before you uh, inject the fat and you have to inject it in very small uh, little aliquots so that the graft takes so it takes quite a long time um so the operation takes a long time in theater so therefore it's an expensive procedure as i say it's almost as expensive as having implants and the volumes are a lot less so it is not unfortunately as popular as you might think based on what you see on paper with it having none of the risks of implants um whether it will get more popular i don't know I think a lot of people these days talk about using what's called a hybrid procedure where they use implants and fat grafting, uh, particularly in people who are very slim, who would otherwise have the implant underneath the muscle. So they say instead of putting it on the muscle, they put the implant and put fat graft over the top. I think that might have some mileage. Again, it's going to be an expensive operation because you've got the fat grafting and the implants. So that's doubling up the price. Whether that's uh, justifiable, whether you would uh, see a difference in someone who's had a hybrid breast augmentation versus someone who's had um, a, fat, a, a breast augmentation without fat grafting. Who knows? Obviously, if you get a problem, you might say, well, it was worth it. But if you don't get a problem, it's a tricky one. All I'm going to say is a tricky one. There's no answers out there. This, this is the thing people are playing with. They're playing with these um, hybrid fat grafts and things like that. Uh, hybrid breast augmentation using fat graft and implants. I like it in concept. I think you'd have to charge a lot and i'm not sure if you could justify that fee uh, based on the results um in my view um because uh, i'm not sure if the fat graph would add that much to the uh the uh, implant result although as i say if it can avoid putting them in a submuscular plane but you know can you get enough fat over the top of it to reduce the risk of rippling etc it's a tricky one no answers here but on bottom line, you know, you can't really say fat grafting is better than implants. They've both got pros and cons, and it's about making a decision about what's the right thing for yourself. If you have a cyst removed on your scalp, will you be left with a bald patch? Um, not what you might think. I think a lot of people think you're going to have a big bald. Well, there you go. Don't have to. Uh, don't have to pretend. You know, big bald patch. Um, so. In that regard, no, you're not going to be left with a big ball patch kind of round where the cyst was and you'd be embarrassed going to work and stuff like that. Um, personally, I don't sort of shave the hair or I think some people might. So this is a this might be specific for me because I think some people it is difficult stitching in the in the hair when you've got a lot of hair. And, a, and I think some people just shave, shave a bit to make it easier. But I don't shave any of the any of the scalp. Um, the only thing I would say is that if you are having something removed from your scalp, whether it be a cyst or a mole or whatever, um, the scar from where you have that thing removed will not have any hair on it. And what that means is that there'll be hair on either side, 
but there'll be no hair on the scar. Now that doesn't matter if you've got a lot of hair uh, because you'll hide it. And it doesn't actually, it doesn't matter that much if you're completely shaved bald, you know, if you completely shaved the skin because it um, doesn't really show then either. The problem comes if you've got buzz cut, you know, like myself, trendy, yeah. Um, if you've got a, a, a sort of short cropped hair, same with the beard, if you've got a short cropped beard, you'll have a defect on it. You'll have a line in the, in the, um, it's all white there. It looks like there's nothing there, doesn't it? Um, you'll have a line in the, in the hair. So it can be a bit more obvious for people with shorter hair. So that this, as I say, the scar itself won't have any hair. Whether you're going to call that a ball, I wouldn't necessarily call that a ball patch, um, but I would call it a, 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 you know, sometimes you see people with a defect in their, in their hair and that's due to a, a scar, which doesn't have hair on it. So if you're going to call that a ball patch, well, then, yes, you do get a ball patch from having cysts removed. I would call it, we call it scar alopecia, no hair on the scar. So, yeah, just be aware of that. If if your hair is short, if your hair is long, it's just going to be here. You're not going to see it. Can we remove a growth located on the eyelid that is impacting vision? Wow, I'm trying to picture this. Uh, I haven't seen a photo of this. Uh, quite like to see a photo. Um, I mean, it sounds pretty bad. I've, I've got to be honest with you. It sounds pretty bad. So on the face of, if that's all I've got to go on, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say um, probably we will. Um, I would probably say that would be an ophthalmic surgeon. I mean, have a look at it. I mean, if it's just like a warty lesion that you can kind of see out of your eye and it's just like a raised lesion on your eyelid i guess yes so maybe i guess is the answer no slash maybe is the answer to that question uh i'd have to have a look at it but perhaps not might be an eye surgeon might be better if it's just a simple skin lesion we can definitely remove it but um sounds like it might not be a simple skin lesion if it's impacting the vision do we offer bum enlargement one word answer no no never have never have it's 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 been a controversial topic within the plastic surgery world um i think other parts of the world have done bum enlargements and and, and certainly wax lyrical about it and say it's a huge market and there's loads of people out there who want it and we're missing a trick by not offering it i've heard that said many many times at these meetings and that that might be right um i've never really sort of gone down that route i've never really done it to be honest with you, um, but it is um, coming back now, and they're saying there's safe ways to do it, and certain people are giving, you know, trainings on it and things like that. Um, I mean, there were some fatalities, so that's why it went out of fashion, not uh, unreasonably, but uh, it's coming back now. But I don't think I'm going to be involved in it. It's not something I really want to um, start doing. Uh, my advanced um, stage in my career but so yeah so we don't offer bum enlargement breast tummy tuck I know we say body you might say that's body contouring but I'm like yeah yeah it is so in that case breast and body contouring in brackets not bum enlargement at the moment I mean I, I keep it open by saying at the moment but um, yeah I am a transgender woman. Does your clinic offer breast enlargement? 
So we do offer breast enlargement, but not for transgender women. Um, breast enlargement for transgender women is a specific um, niche of plastic surgery. And there are specific plastic surgeons who work with transgender male to female, female to male, both ways. So, um, and on paper, the surgery is kind of the same because, you know, some women are very flat chested and you do breast implant for them. So doing it on a biological male would be a similar kind of thing. But in practice, this work is done in what's called a multidisciplinary team with psychologists and, and endocrinologists and all sorts of people who, you know, gynecologists, urologists, plastic surgeons, and I'm not in one of those teams. So I, I, I haven't spoken to Guy for a while, but Guy Stern used to be the, the plastic surgeon in, in the West Midlands, or at least in my, who used to work with him at City Hospital, who did this sort of work. Um, and so I just referred everyone to Guy because he was in the, in the, um, in the, in the multidisciplinary team. Um, so if I, again, if this person is on the, uh, on the line, I would say Guy Stern is uh, the person to see, uh, because we don't uh, we don't do that surgery at the clinic. Do we offer skin grafting to the face? Funny question. Funny question that. Um, now we're all plastic surgeons, so we all do skin grafts, and yeah, we could put a skin graft on the face. I just think it's a funny question. It's like, so can we put skin grafts on faces yes we can put skin grafts on faces i'm thinking that question is probably coming from a place of a uh, skin cancer which is probably the most common i'm hoping a skin cancer rather than tattoo because i don't like doing skin grafting for tattoos but skin grafting is sometimes required for skin cancer so um you know we could do skin grafting to the face um is the is the answer to that question as it stands there um it's not a common thing that we do at the clinic to be honest with you um we don't you know skin grafting to the face is not a common um procedure and i have done it but on a handful of people really um personally if you have got a skin graft on the face uh hi mrs b uh or at least if you've got a skin cancer on the face Personally, I do like to do uh, flaps rather than grafts. The flap is moving a bit of skin across to cover the defect. I feel it's cosmetically better. However, if it's in a particularly difficult area with limited options for a flap, or if you're worried you're not going to get it all out, then uh, a skin graft might be an option. So um, never say never. We've got Azan Faroa who does a lot of um, skin cancer work. Uh, he's a specialist in, in uh, skin so he uh, does a clinic on a Thursday. So he's probably the guy who does more skin grafting to the face than anyone else. Um, uh, probably, well, I'd probably be the least. Um, Costas does a lot of facial work, a lot of NHS. These guys work in the NHS. You see, it's sort of thing you do a lot of in the NHS. I don't do because, yeah, well, that's the other thing. If you've got skin cancer on your face, the NHS will probably treat it for you. But uh, if you want to come, don't, I'm not trying to put you off. If you want to come and see us, fine. But uh, we don't do, don't do much of it. I don't anyway. Uh, Costas and Azam probably do more. That's that. Um, good, good bunch of questions there tonight. I think you'll agree. Very grateful to all who submitted questions and to um, Chloe and uh, Tom Debeat 
for asking questions uh, live and direct. I will be here, same time, same place next um, Tuesday, 7 o'clock. I will uh, very much look forward to seeing you then. If you've got any questions, uh, put it in a comment or email us or give us a ring and we'll put it on the list for next week. Or we don't have to put it on the list for next week. I'll just answer it there and then. I'll just email you back or whatever, or if you will or whatever. So um, I hope you have a lovely evening. And I uh, very much look forward to seeing you next week. Alex Rose has come in with earlobes. Oh, roughly how much does it cost to fix stretched five millimeter earlobes? Oh, God, you want a price live on the thing? Um, I don't know, Alex. I don't do the prices. I'm just looking if I can find a price list. Uh, I'll start talking if I, I don't even know where they keep the price lists. So, um, yeah, that's quite a common thing. Fixing stretched earlobes is for sure a thing. What I would say, Alex Rose, is can you mess direct message and then we'll direct message back? Um, so the one thing I would say to you, Alex, is there is two prices for this sort of thing, depending on whether you have uh, your you keep a hole for your earring. Uh, if you want to keep a hole for your earring, there's a bit of a fancy technique to doing it. Um, well, not probably. The easiest way to do it is just to is just to remove the uh, enlarged lobe and um, and close it. So, uh, but uh, yeah, definitely something we can do, uh, Alex, at the clinic. No problem. It will be both ears. I've been told a thousand pounds each ear. Right. Let's have a look. Well, there you go, Alex. What are you asking? You've been told by us, or if that's it, that's it. Um, here we go. Oh, I gotta be honest. I do feel uncomfortable talking about. Here we go. Oh, well, we've got a fair. Well, nine nine eight one, and one. Thousand one three nine eight fourteen hundred for both. I would. Nine nine eight. Yeah, I don't. Ali, don't quote me on that. That's what I've got there. I might have got it wrong. I usually when people ask me to do things which are outside my um, remit, I get it wrong and people, I get told off. But anyway, that's what it says here. Nine nine eight for one. One three nine eight for both. It's usually not. Um, it's usually not double for the second one because you've already got one pack open so it's usually like less for having the second one similarly if you're having two procedures done it's usually less to do the second one than it would be to do the second one on its own sort of thing so if you had one done one day and the other done the other day yes it might be a thousand pounds each time but if both done the same day it would be less there is an economy of um not scale what word be volume or something but yeah that's what i've got i've got 998 and 1398 let's call it a thousand and fourteen hundred of both but um <laughs> you better contact and you'll say he said that anyway um yeah please don't ask me prices I, i'm not very good at it what is the normal average time for a muscle to relax after a breast augmentation um normal time for a muscle to relax the problem, I'm, I'm, Mrs. B, I think you're, I think what you're getting at, correct me if I'm wrong, is that they're probably sitting high. 
That's what I'm sensing. I'm sensing they're sitting high and you're thinking the muscle's got to relax to let them settle. Now they sit high whether they're under or over the muscle. So if I'm on the wrong track, just stop me straight off. But um, uh, but they do, they are more likely to sit high when they're under muscle. The muscle can hold it up. So I normally say things kind of start at about three months is, is my go-to for when, you know, when can it look kind of normal. But I don't think it's a, it's finished at three months. But certainly in the first few months, it doesn't look right, particularly when they're under the muscle. The muscle can hold the implants high. So um, so the first few months, I wouldn't be too worried. Three months is kind of when it starts to get an idea what you're going to be, but you're not, you're not probably not at the end. Um, six, 12, 18 months to really get to settling and, you know, feeling like their own and looking like your own. Yes, kind of. But I also heard that after the muscle needs to relax, if you go under the muscles. Yeah. I don't really think it's the muscle relaxing. I don't think it's the muscle contracted, sort of constantly contracted for three months. I think it's just the muscle holds the implant high. And as I say, it happens when they're over the muscle as well. It's just more, um, it's more of a problem when they're under the muscle. And gravity will help to let them settle into the pocket. The pocket will have been made there, which is quite frustrating for us as surgeons because we make the pocket, we put the implants in the pocket, we finish the operation, we think it all looks great, and then you um, wake up and, you know, break dressings all that, but, and then you think, well, what's going on? Why do they look like that? And it is frustrating because they do, they do sit high and it doesn't look quite right, and it takes a while for them to settle back down into that pocket. Um, so whether it's muscle relaxing or gravity or whatever it is, um, it's, it does take... Uh, at least three months, really, I would say. I don't know where, where you're going to tell me. Where are you now? Are you three months yet? Um, but three months is where it starts. As I say, it might not be 100% of three months, um, six, 12, 18 months to properly settle. But hopefully three months, you get an idea where you're going to look like. In the time before three months, I wouldn't be too worried if it doesn't look quite right because it often doesn't look quite right. And sometimes one's high and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I wouldn't be too worried if it's not quite right. Now, but Mateus NXO, you asked to be in the live video. I can say yes, which means it's not understood, which means you will join me live. Do you want do you want to do that? Do you want to join me on a split screen thing? The Facebook people won't be able to see it. Shall I say yes? Or um, is it not? What's not understood? Is it the muscle that's not understood? The muscle thing? Oh, it's gone. You don't want to join me live. Um, the, the bottom line is, Matthias, is that they sit high when you first have it done, then they settle. I just want to know what was normalish for settling. About two weeks post-op and having a bit of anxiety. Thanks, you. Yeah, very normal to have anxiety at two weeks because you've been waiting for this for a long time and, you know, people get upset when it doesn't look how they want to look. But I always say, you know, I, I say it on pre-op, it takes about three months for it to start to settle. Um, and yet everybody will worry when they um don't look right at two weeks it's very normal but um stick with your surgeon keep close with them you know surgeons say different things some people get you to massage some people use straps and things like that to help them if they are sitting high um so just do whatever they what their sort of practice is but uh in my experience they will settle kind of whatever you do those things can help it um, they don't always settle as well. You know, sometimes they don't settle. So I'm not saying it will settle. I'm just saying it will change. So, um, you know, sometimes you do need to do things to people. You do need to lower the implants, particularly if they're under the muscle. So that is a thing. 
um but just you know try not to worry too much about it two weeks just worry about the healing and stuff like that at two weeks um but yeah it is it is difficult when they don't look right but you're not alone mrs b you're not alone uh Mateus, do you want to expand on what's not understood or not is it the muscle thing wouldn't get hung up on the muscle just think just basically implants start a bit high and then they settle for whatever reason whether it be muscles or whatever anyway Mateus, call me if you want me to explain the uh something uh, my surgery was in lithuania and he's not very good with the bedside manner he's a man of little words oh, there you go there you go right well yeah well we used to still try and get an idea of the post-op regime from him or his nurse or whatever because it's not really everyone's got different views on it it's not really a sort of set thing that everyone does this or everyone does that everyone does massaging everyone does straps everyone does this or that you know all surgeons have their own kind of view on that um so it's probably better to get there get the uh get your surgeon's view on that one um so there you go so yeah okay so Mateus, by all means uh give me a call if you've got any questions if you if something's not understood i will uh bobby perks is in the house i will uh i'm just checking out bobby actually uh feel free to ask a question if you've got one but uh i've had a tranche of questions and uh i'm going to use this opportunity to exit stage left as they say um and I will uh, bid you good night. Hi, Bobby. Hi. And I will, uh, but don't, don't fear. I'll be back next Tuesday. So let's not panic. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing you all um, same time, same place. I say same time, same place. Kind of 7 o'clock, more than 7.48, Bobby. Yeah. But, you know, you can always watch the replay if you are uh, such, so, such inclined. So that way inclined or well, if you want to uh okay so i'm going to check myself out of facebook check it out facebook jackie is in the house jackie have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you